So hi, everybody, and welcome to Tanya in Real Life. Thank you so much for being here. It's exciting to be back to Tanya. I'm excited to be doing this now here, Erev Pesach, because Erev Pesach is all about experiencing chiras, experiencing freedom. And really, on a personal level, that freedom is about liberating ourselves from being confined to our habits, our compulsions, our past, our our, our, our stories that are dictated by our human tendencies, by our hardwiring of our Nefesh Bahamas, of our Yetzirah. And true freedom is about surrendering, getting out of that grip and surrendering instead to our truer self, to the ultimate truth, to Hashem's truth and living with Bittal. Um, and this is expressed in the fact that we eat matzah on Pesach. Matzah, matzah represents bittel. And Reb Levi Yitzchak of Barditchev said that the cleaning of, that we do, Erev Pesach, the kashrak, right? The, the, the different things that we do to scrub and to, you know, clean and to all those, you know, carve out all the dirt um, on a physical level. It's as holy as the kashrak of the to, of the shofar that we do on Rosh Hashanah, which is a very, very um, elevated spiritual state. So on a physical level, it's very special to be cleaning for Pesach. But in addition, on a spiritual level, and for those of us who are not actually cleaning for Pesach, this is meaningful and it's relevant for every single one of us. The spiritual preparation for getting rid of Pesach is really letting go of our ego, moving away from the ego part of ourselves, from that egoistic mentality of I'm here in this world by myself, with myself, for myself, and embracing the truth of Hashem's reality, the, the matzah way of living, which is by Hashem, with Hashem, and for Hashem. So now in Perak Yud Beis, what we begin to learn about is actually how to implement that. And, um, and it's very exciting to be doing this as we get ready for Pesach. So the chapter 12 begins with the word Veha Benini and the Benini because the Benini is the hero of the Tanya. And it's not the Tzaddik. The Tzaddik is not the hero of the Tanya. It's certainly not the Russia who gave up the fight. It's the Benini. So before we define the Benini, let's refresh our memory about what the Tzaddik and the Russia are. And if you have the notes, if you don't have it, email to info at energizedliving.org or to 718-576-0338, and we will try to get them to you. On this little chart, I just wanted to get clarity about what the tzaddik and Russia are before we could really understand and appreciate what the Benini is. So a tzaddik is someone, and the way we're dividing this is in koiches ha-nefesh and levushe ha-nefesh. So koiches ha-nefesh are the emotions and psychological tendencies that we have that our, or we can call it our inner self, our inner world, our emotional capacities, our intellectual capacities. Um, and Levushia Nefesh are our behaviors. That's our conscious thought, the words we say, and the things we do. So for a tzaddik, all of it is 100% aligned with our neshama. That means there's two forces, our Nefesh Bahamas and our Nefesh kiss. but in the tzaddik, the Nefesh Bahamas is either asleep or Nefesh Bahamas is totally transformed. It joined teams. It now became part of the Nefesh Elikis. So there's no struggle. There's no battle. There's no war happening. There's no push and pull and that inner 
um, conflict taking place because inside the only desire that the tzaddik has is by Hashem, with Hashem, for Hashem. It doesn't have any other desire, no other tendency, no other habits. So how does the tzaddik um, show up with Levusha and Nefesh being 100% aligned with Hashem? He gets there because inside a tzaddik is wired differently. Or the tzaddik reached a level where now he's wired differently. Either he was born that way or got a gift from Hashem. In a, because of his intense avoid, they got a gift from Hashem that he's able to now no longer have to struggle. There's only a, a neshama, active and alert. The Nefesh Bahamas is either totally asleep and or, or transformed. The Russia is the exact opposite. But not not quite because uh, neshama can never be transformed; it's unchangeable. But it could be come more deep, deeply embedded in our subconscious. So by a rasha, the neshama is asleep. A, a, a rasha did so many times behaviors, so many times behaviors aligned with by myself, with myself, for myself, that the other self, the neshama, went to sleep. It's not actively driving at all in the in the Russia's life. All emotions and all his ideas, he, he doesn't even feel it anymore. There's no consciousness of the neshama at all. And um, and how does how does a how does a person become a Russia? It's just because naturally we, we we don't struggle. It's because also we don't struggle. The tzaddik doesn't struggle because there's nothing to struggle with. But a Russia doesn't struggle because they're not aware. And when we are not aware, we naturally go along with whatever our heart tells us, wherever we're pulled, wherever we're pushed, we struggle enough only to create a sense of guilt. Oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, but then we do. <laughs> but it's not enough to actually influence a change in our behavior. Um, our behavior is aligned with our nefesh abahamis. Our behavior is aligned with by myself, with myself, for myself, and it contradicts bittel. It contradicts Hashem's truth. Okay, so now a Benini is somebody who's not a tzaddik and not a rasha. In a Benini, both the nefesh abahamis and the nefesh elikis, both parts of ourselves, both selves, both drives are active and alert and strong. Both of them make a lot of noise and we hear both of them. So I always say if somebody doesn't experience any, any internal conflict, that's not necessarily a good thing. Experiencing internal conflict is the sign of a Bainani. It means that we are a Bainani. There's a constant bombardment of influence, of emotions and ideas from both opposite drives, and we're aware of both. But a Bainani, to stay being a Bainani, if we surrender to the Nefeshat Bahamas and we start acting on that drive and those emotions and those ideas, we start acting in a way of by myself, with myself, for myself, it becomes a string that gets us to become a Russia. In other words, every time we act on our Nefesh Bahamas, we strengthen the kingship, the dominance of the Nefesh Bahamas within our behavior, within our psyche, not just within our behavior, but, but within the way our brains are wired. And with that, our Neshama's voice can be heard just a little bit less. It becomes a little bit more faint, a little bit more pushed into our subconscious as opposed to being active and alert and understood within our consciousness. So a Bainini is somebody who's very careful not to let that 
not to let that happen, not to give an inch of control to the Nefesh Bahamas, because we know that we give our Nefesh Bahamas an inch, and with that inch, it already has a foothold to gain more control. It's not like you give it an inch and, it, and, it, and then it, it's happy and it walks away. No, the inch only feeds it and it makes it stronger. It makes it more dominant and more in a position of, of control. So how do we get here? We struggle and with our Nefesh Bahamas and we don't let it win. We let our Neshama show up and shine forth in our behavior um, every single time, every behavior. How do we get there? How do we actually be a Bainini? From here, through the rest of the Tanya, that is every, it's all about tools. How to be a Bainini. How to win that battle. How to let our Neshama show up in our behavior every single time and every minute. And obviously we're not gonna learn it all on one foot. Um, I think that if I could give a label, a title to the next two chapters, to chapter 12 and 13, it would be about how to master our behavior or how to let go of any, um, of any undesired behaviors, right? Because that's what a Bainani is. The definition of a Bainani is somebody who masters their behavior, who lets their neshama show up every single time in every behavior, in every situation, every moment. So when we talk about it, before we talk about it, I wanna just bring, bring this to the language we were using in the previous chapters of the Tanya, okay? So we said that a Bainani is somebody who gets triggered, right? We have tendencies, we have weaknesses, we have what feels almost like compulsions, okay? We have all kinds of emotional challenges, psychological challenges that pull us away from the truth of, from that clarity of Hashem is our only power and we are defined by his presence within us. We get pulled away from that truth and we start thinking we define ourselves by our weaknesses. We attribute power to other people. We attribute power to our past. We attribute power to all kinds of things except for Hashem. And we attribute and we define ourselves by all kinds of things except for our neshama, our truth. So a Bainani is someone who has that struggle. We have the ego. We have the ability to get lost in that ego. We, get, we could get lost in our otherness, right? In our other self, um, but we show up. We have that, but we fight with it and we show up with that state of vigil. We show up to our lives with the truth, according to the truth. Even when inside there's a part of us that doubts the truth, there's a part of us that is unclear. There's a part of us that um, is still connected with on some level to you know, attributing power to other people or attributing power even to ourselves in a way that excludes Hashem. In other words, instead of being dependent on Hashem, we see ourselves as dependent on ourselves and on other people. I just want to clarify one more time and why is this important and what we're talking about in terms of why is it important to master our behavior? It's because having a nefesh of Bahamas is never the problem. Having an ego in itself is not the problem. We all have it, it's part of who we are. Where it becomes a problem is when we act on it. It's when it, it plays itself out in our behavior. It's when we obey it, when we feel compelled to obey, when we limit ourselves to it. It's not just, it's not having it is, is, is part of how Hashem made us. 
But when it shows up in our behavior, that's our choice. And that's, and that's really, when it shows up in our behavior, that's the root of all our relationship problems. That's the root of all our emotional struggles, not struggles, but our emotional failures, I'll say, our emotional unwellness. Um, it's the root of all the dysfunction and chaos in our, in our relationships, including our relationship with our own self. A lot of people, when they learn Tanya and, um, and they learn about you know, the, this lofty level, I mean, we're talking about somebody who is showing up, making that choice to align with Hashem and align with the truth every minute, every time. That's a very big, that's a very tall order. So a lot of people think of it, okay, you know, you know, they say, you know, halavaya benini. <laughs> I wish I could be a benini, but like kind of like that's wishful thinking. I'm never really going to get there. I really believe, I mean, the Balatanya wrote this as Sefer Shel Benanim. This is the guide for how to be a benini. And this is for each and every one of us because we could be a benini. It is an attainable goal. It is something we all could strive to be because to be a benini doesn't mean to be perfect. To be a Bainini doesn't mean to be anything but human. It means we are human. We have weaknesses. We have tendencies. We have a, a past that cannot be erased. We have childhoods that left us with realities that we'll never, we can't, you know, let go of with the press of a button. We will get triggered, but we could master all our behavior every time in every way. We can choose to show up with our neshama shining forth for one minute, you know, this minute, another minute, another minute. And really we do that by, I always talk about this, that um, our, when we want to be a Bainani, you know, maybe it sounds like a lot to be a Bainani for life, but our only job really is to be a Bainani right for this minute and then for another minute. And, and, and we want to create Bainani moments in our lives. One moment at a time is really what life is about. Because a life of beauty, a life of happiness, a life of inner peace, a life of emotional wellness is not something that lands upon us one fine day when we had enough coffee <laughs> or when we're, you know, when we won the lottery. It's really something that we create choice by choice, minute by minute, starting here and now. And that's why I think that uh, to be a Bainini is an attainable goal because this minute I could be a Bainini. It doesn't mean I'll be a Bainini for the rest of my life, but for this minute, I could be a Bainini. And every time we, we be that Bainini, every time we show up in alignment with Hashem's truth, we're, we're strengthening that part of ourselves. We're strengthening that ability. We're making that more possible for the next moment. Okay, let's jump in and read a couple of lines in the Tanya. We'll just read a couple of lines, okay? A Benini is a person that the evil within him, meaning the potential for disconnection, the Nefesh Bahamas, the ego, never is so strong. It never reigns supreme. It never conquers that small city. Remember, we learned the Balatanya gave a mushal. He compared the body to a small city where two kings are trying to control and dominate the city. And he said that our Nefesh Bahamas, our animal self, um, is like one king and our Neshama is like another king and each one is trying to control the city. So Benini has two kings. There's two kings. 
and they're both struggling, but the Nefesh Bahamas is never the one who wins the battle, never the one who actually controls the behavior. And um, the Baal elaborates what that means, to clothe itself in the body and cause the person to sin. Meaning, what does it look like in practical terms? These three garments, the three garments of the Nefesh Bahamas, thought, speech, and action, which are thought, speech, and action that conceals Hashem's truth, they're there, okay? They're there, they're present. The possibility for those kind of thoughts, for those kind of speech, for those kind of words, for those kind of behaviors, it's all there, but they don't win. They don't dominate on the person. They don't, they don't succeed. They don't squash the nefesh ele kiss and actually win and include and be you know active in the body. in the mind, in the mouth, and the other 248 limbs, to make the person sin or you know, impure, meaning do something that would create a separation, the opposite of Hashem's truth, concealing Hashem's truth. Okay, I'm going to continue because there's some very interesting language here. Only the Nevashali kiss gets to rule. Only the Nevashali kiss gets to rule. That is the only dominant force. That is mitzvahs, anything that's aligned with Hashem's truth. Okay, now here comes some interesting language about a bainini that kind of makes it very, very intimidating, but we'll talk about what it means in practical terms. A bainini is somebody who, the loy avar avera miyamav, he never sinned in his life, the loy yavar and will never sin forever. And will never be called a Russia, even for one moment. One hour or one moment in his entire life. Now that's pretty, um, that's pretty intense. Let's talk about that for a minute. You know, when we talk about time, the only time that we actually have control over that we actually could master is the moment that is called now. Okay, whatever happened already is in the past. And whatever is gonna happen is in the future. I don't control the future. I have no idea what's gonna be in the future. And whatever happened already, it happened. It certainly doesn't mean that once a person made a mistake, then he's out of the game for the rest of his life, right? When the Baal Tanya says, Veloy avar avera miyamav, a person, a Benini is somebody who never, never, ever did an Avera in his entire life. That can't be, it can't be literal because that means that all of us are out of the game. <laughs> By the time we, we learned Tanya, we negated Hashem's truth many times over. So that means we're out of, the, of course, it doesn't mean that we're out of the game. And V'lo Yavar you know, how can we make any promises about our future? There were many great Sadiqim who, even as they were great, they were, they were, you know, later stages of their lives, we know that they then changed and they lost that clarity and that commitment and that purity. 
and they did, and they and they took a different direction. So how could we know for sure? How could we make the present conditional on the future? We can't. It's not. Nobody could. We're not in a VM. We can't know the future. So what's the explanation? The explanation is that the Baal Tanya is talking about the past and the future as it exists in the present. He's talking about the past and the future as it exists in the present. And here's what it, here's what I mean. Basically, the, the Benini is someone who has a very strong commitment um, that at least in this moment, a Benini has the sense of, I will never abandon this truth. I will never, this is so clear to me, I will never negate this truth. And about the past, it's this, that you know, sometimes we do something, um, if you think about any behavior, if you never did it, it seems foreign to you, okay? If I don't exercise, okay, then I'm not a person who exercises. The idea of exercise seems foreign to me. I am not that person, okay? But once I do it once, if I, if I exercise today, then I already feel connected with the idea of exercising. Exercising is now in my realm of possibility. It's now something that I do. Maybe I don't do it every day, but it's something I could do theoretically, right? So many times, once we do an Avera or once we have an un undesired habit, I did it once, I did it twice. You know what? I tried to stop in the past. It never happened for me. I'll probably do it again. You know, that mindset already enables us, already gets in the way of our commitment. Because What's a Russia? What's a Russia? A Russia is somebody who says, I know the truth, but I don't want to know it. Okay. I'm going to negate the truth. It doesn't matter. I am here in this world by myself, with myself, for myself, for myself. And that's how I will act. I'm not dependent on Hashem. I'm dependent on myself. And therefore I'm going to do what I want even at the expense of transgressing what Hashem wants, of, of, you know, avoiding what Hashem wants. The minute we think of ourselves as like, the minute, Abedini is someone who, who like that idea is unthinkable. We're going to learn about this more next week. So I'm, I'm going to try not to jump ahead. But if something is possible in our minds, then it's possible in our behavior. When something is truly unthinkable to us, there is a certain level of commitment that prevents us from doing that. Like there are certain things in this world that each of us can say, you know what, I did it yesterday, I'll do it again, I'll probably, you know, overeating, okay? Or gossip, or, or saying things that are maybe inappropriate, or, or acting selfishly or maybe being obnoxious in our speech, okay? These are things that at least in my world, they're not foreign to me. I, I did it yesterday. There's a good possibility I'll do it tomorrow. Abedini is someone who's different than what I just said. Abedini says, no, 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 no. I, I never wanna do that. And I never will do it. It's unthinkable to me to be unkind to another human being. It's unthinkable to me to be selfish. It's unthinkable to me to do something that negates my absolute awareness of Hashem. I'm just not, that's not me, right? So, so what, what the Baal Tanya is talking about, a Benini here, is that we have that level of commitment and clarity. We've done tshuva for our past averes. 
or for our, for our mistakes, we look at our mistakes, we look at even our habits and say, you know, that's not me anymore. There's a beautiful story that illustrates this. The previous Lubavitch Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, known as the Rebbe Rayatz, when he was in America, end of 1930s, um, he came during the Second World War, escaped. Um, he used to smoke cigarettes. Many people in those many, many, uh, a lot of the Rebbe's did pipes and cigarettes, they, he smoked. One time he had a doctor visit him and the doctor, you know, in, in, the, in the course of his assessment, he advised the Rebbe that it's in his best interest for his good health, he should no longer smoke. That's not, it's not good for his health, he shouldn't smoke. They finished the conversation, the, the physical assessment and the physical consultation. And, um, and then the doctor sat on the chair and he relaxed and he started conversing with the Rebbe Rayats about all kinds of matters, the finances of the world, the politics of the world. And a couple of minutes into the conversation, he pulls out a cigarette and offers, offers the Rebbe to smoke because socially, that's what people did in those days. You know, it was a sophisticated thing to do. So he offered him a cigarette and very casually, the Rebbe Rayat said, no, thank you, I don't smoke. I'm not a smoker. And um, the doctor looked at him and he looked at his desk and there was a pile, <laughs> there was an ashtray with butts of cigarettes. And he looked from him to the butt. And suddenly he was like, okay, I got it. He realized that in that, he just told the Rebbe that he shouldn't smoke and the Rebbe took it in and he made that commitment. And with that commitment, he said, I am not a smoker anymore. Done, the end. Because the Rebbe would never do something that would negate God's will. He would never do something that was against Hashem's and Hashem's will. And obviously taking care of our health is of utmost importance. The doctor said, no smoking, I don't smoke. Done, period, end of story. And, and that's, a, that's, that's, the, that's what a behavior of a Bainani looks, looks like. When, when a Bainani says, when the Baal is saying, a Bainani is somebody who never sin, usually, you know, for me, if a doctor would advise me, if I'm a smoker and the doctor advises me not to smoke and, um, you know, I would say, well, I used to smoke. I'm not so sure. Should I stop today? Should I stop tomorrow? <laughs> Should I stop next week? I'm not sure. I have to think about it. I have to come up with a plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? I kind of feel, I still see myself as a smoker. I still see myself as, I still see smoking as a very real part of my life. And that's not the Bainini way. The Bainini way is that any behavior that's not aligned with Hashem is foreign to me. It's out of my radar. It's not. And that's the meaning of these words, and he never did a sin and never will do a sin. It has no, in this moment, anything that's not 100% aligned with Hashem has no place in my life. And I just share this little reflection that it is a good thing if you're trying to take on, this is totally nothing to do with Tanya, but I think it's just an interesting thought that came up for me while I was studying this. And that is that whenever we wanna develop a positive quality, it's really helpful to look at our lives 
and see where we are already embracing and displaying that quality. Like for example, if I wanna be more patient, it's helpful for me to see where in my life I am already displaying patience. Because if I look at myself as somebody who has patience, then okay, I just have to stretch that a little bit more. I just have to expand it a little bit more. I have to let that patience come up in more ways. But by contrast, when someone says, I am not patient, I have no patience whatsoever. Patience and me, we just don't get along. I'm not a doctor, of course I have no patience, right? Like kind of making jokes about it or like really defining ourselves as somebody who has no patience, but I want patience, right? That attitude separates us from the possibility of actually owning the that you know that quality and growing patience in our behavior right because the minute we see ourselves in a certain way we are our, our behavior follows that's when when the baal tanya says about the benini the nikra a love shame russia who is he talking about the nikra a love shame russia the name russia will never be called upon him <laughs> Since when do people like you walk out on the street and you get labels? He will never be called a Russia. What does that mean? Who's the Baal Tanya talking about? Who's not going to call him a Russia? He's not talking about other people. He's talking about himself. It's how we label ourselves. And the first step to change is really changing the way we see ourselves. The Nikra Alav Shame Russia. I will not be called by this name. I will not be called this label. I am not okay with being called a Russia. And you know what? You know what a Russia means? A Russia is someone, not an evil monster, not a criminal, not a murderer. A Russia is someone who rejects or denies or contradicts the truth about Hashem and the truth about ourselves. That's a Russia. A Russia is someone who conceals Hashem's truth, who hides Hashem's truth by contradicting it. By, by, by surrendering to other truths, by making other truths matter more, okay? So I never wanna do that. I never wanna be a Russia. I will never label myself that way. Belay Nikra, love, shame, Russia. I will never label myself this way. Okay, so this is a very, very intimidating um, description because it's so extreme. I know for myself, I, I look at that, I'm like, wow, I wish I had that commitment. I wish I had that courage in that everlasting, all-encompassing, all-absorbing kind of way. And I don't, I really don't. But what I do have, and I think it's so possible for all of us to have is to create Bainani moments. Like, and, and if you look at your life, if you look at your life, was there ever a time, I shouldn't say was there ever a time because there was, can you find a time when, when, when in your life or where in your life are you already showing up? Do you already have pockets of time, little moments where Hashem's truth actually permeated your mind and heart in a clear way and you showed up according to that truth, even when it was possible to show up in a different way, to act on a different truth? If you could find one moment, and I know you can. I see you nodding, thank you. <laughs> I know you can, yay. If you could find that moment 
that means you could create another such moment, you know, and, and another one and another one. And maybe this moment will be that one where we really are aligned with that truth. We can be a Bainani in this moment. And when we slip away and we don't show up as a Bainani, we could always know we can come back to it. I can be a Bainani right here, right now, even if I made a mistake and the minute before I wasn't. Because a Bainani is a person who masters their behavior. And that's a tall order to do, to, to think about for 24 hours of the day, seven days a week. A Bainani is somebody who shows up with emotional wellness, complete emotional wellness, in every minute of the day, every situation. So maybe we can't do that, but we definitely could do this moment. And maybe with that strength, we can do another moment. One moment leads to another moment. One moment fuels the next one. Okay, since a Bainani is so completely committed, right? Why aren't we calling the Bainani a tzaddik? Why, why are we not calling the Bainani a tzaddik? I mean, the baby is someone who always behaves. <laughs> he masters every single one of his behavior. Why are we not calling this person a tzaddik? And the answer is because on the inside, his ability to slip away from awareness of Hashem is absolutely, perfectly strong. The animal self, the nefesh of Hamas ego still has a very loud voice. A, a, a Benini still gets very strongly triggered. Yeah, he would never entertain those thoughts in his conscious thought. He'll never actually do an Avera, but his heart could still get pulled in that direction. And I think that in making this you, and that's why that's why the Benini is not a Tzaddik, because a Tzaddik is somebody who is completely aligned with Hashem, even on the inside. And most of us are never going to be a Tzaddik. On the inside, we will always have chaos. We will always have conflict and that's okay. And I think there's so much empowerment in this distinction between the inside and the outside. It's so empowering to know that there's a huge thick line between the Kaiches HaNefesh and Levush HaNefesh, between what's going on inside our mind and heart and what's going on in our conscious thoughts speech and action because you know when what happens is that we all get triggered okay we all are human we all have weaknesses we'll get you know pulled into this we'll get pulled into anger to jealousy to resentment to misery to self-pity to dejection to anxiety to ocd to despair to we'll get we'll get uh We'll get, we'll get pulled into all of that at different times of the day. For different people, it's different. But we all have our stuff. We all have our challenges. We all have our pitfalls. And if we wouldn't have the distinction between inside and outside, there's two, two, there's two pitfalls that the Balatanya is preventing us from falling into by making this very clear line between inside and, and outside. Number one is that we all tend to label ourselves by what we're struggling with, right? If I struggle with OCD, if I struggle with anxiety, if I struggle with depression, I become my struggle. Oh, I'm an ADHD person. Did you know? <laughs> we identify ourselves instead of by our names, by the ABCs after our name, you know? <laughs> we, we identify ourselves. And, and um, 
We also, we also label other people in our lives, you know, and we say, because if I am this, then I and with that label comes a lot of disempowerment, because if I could want this, if I could feel like this, if I could be brought to the bottom of this pit, something is wrong with me. Okay. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy. I will never be a Bainani. I am a Russia. I don't know. Call me what you want, but it's not a Bainani. It's certainly not a Tzaddik and it's not even a Bainani. I'm not connected with Hashem on that level because I have all this stuff pulling me down. And feeling this way, taking on this as a label really limits us. Not only does it limit us to that label, it takes us worse, takes us further, right? Like the Kutzke Rebbe famously said, depression is not a sin, but what depression could do, no sin could do, right? I would say, and in this way, to label ourselves negatively is not a sin. But what a negative label can do, no sin can do, right? Negative labels pull us down and out in a way that's much worse than the actual label, than the actual reason we gave ourselves a label in the first place. So what the Baal Tanya is doing for the Bainani and what enables us to be the Bainani is the Baal Tanya says it is normal to have disempowering tendencies. It's normal to get sad. It's normal even to feel depressed at times. It's normal to feel anxious. It's normal to feel sorry for yourself. It's normal to feel bad, to feel, you know, jealous, to feel angry. It's normal. Okay. You're going to do this. You have an ego. <laughs> it's going to be there. So just, there's no shame in that. Okay. Don't label yourself by it. Don't label, don't label yourself by your triggers and by your challenges and don't label other people by theirs, okay? Don't define yourself by it. It's just there. It's not you. It's just part of your reality, but it's not you. And number two is when we do have these emotions and we do have these triggers, they're so much a part of us and they have such a big influence in our lives that we really feel compelled to act on them. People say all the time, I was angry. So I had to, you know, I had to scream. <laughs> and we look at that, like, you know, that's, that's, that's regular. I, I, you know, I was in the store and it was so great. I had to buy it. I couldn't leave it in the store, buy it, enjoy it, but don't blame it on the fact. Don't, you know, make it a conscious choice. I chose, it wasn't, I had to, right. There's a choice in every single thing that we do. Um, we don't have to give any space in, our, in terms of our behavior. We don't have to give any space. I feel, I feel like having that distinction between inside and outside, that line of separation is the space where we have permission to make a choice, where we have the empowerment to make a choice. Because on the inside, we have no control, but on the outside, we have 100% control. And if it's all one big chullant, then we have no control over anything. Or we feel we have 100% control over everything. And then we hate ourselves for being who we are, right? Okay, so now the Bainini, so that's the Bainini. Bainini is somebody who struggles on the inside, but shows up in alignment with Hashem's truth every minute, every time, all the time. Okay, now where does the Bainani get the courage and commitment to master his behavior with such absolute, I'm gonna use the word perfection, because the behavior is perfect. 
The behavior is stunning. It's beautiful, right? How does the, how does the baby do that? And more importantly, where do we get that commitment? Where do we get that courage? Because we want to be the Benini, right? Where do we get that? And the Baal Tanya says, so here's where, here's where the Baal Tanya gives us the next clue. But really, I want to just full disclosure here. The Baal Tanya doesn't say, where do we get that? And gives an answer. Okay. This was in Panine Hatanya. I saw it presented this way. The Baal Tanya says that at certain times of the day, at certain times during the day, as for example, when the Benini is saying Shema or Tfila in general, that time there is um, which will explain what it means. That is the opportune time for any person because in that space, what does a person do by davening? A person binds, unites, you know, connects his chachma bina and das with the truth of Hashem. Okay, I'm going to skip all that language, but let's just talk about it in general terms. Where does the Bainini get the courage and commitment? It's from this time of the day. This time of the day when the Benini has absolute clarity and absolute in this time of the day, the Nefesh Bahamas is so overwhelmed by the strength and the clarity of the Neshama that the Nefesh Bahamas goes to sleep. The Nefesh Bahamas says, okay, you know what? When you take out your tefillin, when you start taking out, I see you taking out your Siddur, Forget it. I know that my game is up right now. <laughs> I can't, I can't do this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to win now. I'm just going to go to sleep. Okay. And in that space and in that time, the Bainini develops perfect clarity and right. And then that clarity filters through and has a lasting impact on the rest of the day. And that becomes that clarity gives you the courage, gives us the courage to stay true to that clarity, to stay true to that commitment. Remember the story of Asman Chapsik, I told it a bunch of times, where that the, the boy was riding a horse and the Baal Tanya asked him, you know, the, the horse is so fast, right? It can lead you in the wrong direction. And he said, Aber Asman Chapsik, right? When I realized, I just turned right back and the Baal Tanya said, Asman Chapsik, Asman Chapsik, right? So, Imagine if whenever I'm spiraling into ego, I'm spiraling into misery, resentment, anger, frustration, self-pity, despair, and all my stuff, all my anxiety, my depression, my OCD is coming to the fore. I'm spiraling in it. Imagine if I have that Asman Chapzich. Imagine if every time I go down that road, a red light starts flashing in my head and, and starts saying, uh, ego alert, ego alert. You know that, that uh, CD of Midos, the Midos machine, the marvelous Midos machine? <laughs> Midos alert, ego alert, ego alert, right? Um, Russia alert, you go down that road. That's a Russia road. You don't want to go down there. You want to stay in the Bainini lane. Some cars have it. 
to, in the new cars have it that you go out of your lane. The minute you go out of your lane, there's the car itself auto corrects. It doesn't let you go out of your lane. Okay. Imagine if we had that emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, that we go out of our Bainani lane, we get this alert. You're going out of your lane. Get back into your lane. Get back into Bainani zone. Get back into Bittel. Get back into by Hashem with Hashem for Hashem. Don't leave that. Don't reject that truth. Imagine if we have that. Well, every single time we dive in, what we're doing is we're creating that red light. Because when we dive in, we have that opportunity, not just to ask Hashem to hear our prayers, to hear our requests for our needs. What we're also asking is we're asking ourselves to hear Hashem, to hear Hashem's truth to hear the truth of our soul, to hear the truth of our neshama, to really align our minds and hearts with that truth and have such absolute clarity. Next week, Emir Hashem, we'll talk more about this at length. I want to, you know, talk about more Meichen de Godless and what that looks like. I want to wrap up now and leave time for um, discussion. But basically, how does a Bainini get there? How does a Bainini have the ability to stay in his lane, stay in that space of by Hashem, with Hashem, for Hashem, because he has a red light. <laughs> that commitment to Hashem every day, what the davening is so intense um, and he gets a, a, such absolute clarity in that space, what the Baal Tanya calls and what Sifre Kabbalah call Meichin de Godless, um, which is a state of absolute clarity of Hashem's truth. We'll explain it more next week, but that's the general definition. Um, because of that, the lingering impact of that is that throughout the day, when the Bainani is about to divert from the truth, that there's a red light that shines and flashes and says, lane alert, midos, you know, ego alert, get back into the truth, get back into bittel. I said this is going to be a step-by-step -step process for letting go of any undesired habits, right? And I'm calling them undesired habits because they're habits that are rooted in our ego um, and in by myself, with myself, for myself mindset. Okay, so we learned basically so far today, we learned three, three steps. Number one is the lay nikra alav shame rasha afilu sha'a achas virega echad kol yamav. When I make a commitment to never eat sugar, there's a little voice in my head that says, oh, yes, you're going to eat sugar. <laughs> I know you will. And it laughs. It laughs exactly like that. I know you're going to, right? We cannot call, if we want to let go of a habit, we can't label ourselves by those habits. We have to let go of that, that habits. I am not a smoker. I do not smoke. I do not overeat. I do not yell. I do not. Well, there's a part of me that says, what do you mean you do not? We, you do. Well, we'll learn about that in chapter 13. Okay, what do you do with that little voice that says, oh yeah, you do. <laughs> but right now, the first thing is, I don't. This is who I am. I am a Bainani. I can master my behavior one minute, one choice at a time, starting right now. Okay. I am not going to call myself a label based on my weaknesses or my challenges or my struggles. That's not who I am. 
It's part of my reality. It's part of how Hashem wants me to fulfill my life's purpose, unique to me that only I could fulfill, but it doesn't define me. Okay, so that's that's the first thing. It's not even for a minute. I, I'm not, I'm good. Okay, and number two is recognize the difference between our impulses and behavior because the separation between our impulses and behavior is our empowerment to choose our behavior. Without that separation, we don't have the empowerment to choose. When we absorb the meaning of this separation, it's like, wow, even though I feel this way, I don't have to be this way. I don't have to act on it. I could just let this feeling be. I could breathe through it. It will pass. It will pass without me acting on it. It's going to be okay. I don't have to, it will, I don't, I, I'll be okay even if I don't act on it. It's a huge, it's a huge, 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 huge um, idea to, when we absorb. It's, it's a life altering message. Like just because I have a feeling or an idea inside my head doesn't compel me to act on it. Okay. So with that, we're empowered to number one, stop losing energy on fighting ourselves right? We don't have to hate ourselves for being who we are because we can't change our nature by hating it away. Subconsciously, I always think if I hate myself enough and I disdain myself enough, <laughs> have enough disdain for my overeating, I will no longer do it. But I have to tell you, it has never worked. I don't know anybody who has disdained or shamed themselves into, into change. It just doesn't work. So stop losing energy on, on what can't be changed. And number two, um, when we recognize the difference, we have absolute focus on what we can win. We know that where we could change is we could change our choices. We have absolute mastery of our ability to master those choices, one behavior at a time. And number three is, which we'll learn about next week more, is every time, every day, take a few moments at least during davening to develop a sense of absolute clarity about Hashem's truth. Davening shouldn't just be words we say. It should be words we understand, words we try to absorb, words we form a real connection with in our physical reality, words that become the lenses through which we see ourselves and the world around us. And that's what gives us, and because, because it became a lens, now we're wearing that lens as we go into the rest of our day. And next week, we're going to keep going along this train. I just wanted to open up to questions, comments, discussion. Somebody asked me if, um, how, do, how do I change my relationship with Hashem? I have a certain relationship with Hashem, a certain level of awareness throughout the day. I want to have more awareness during davening. I think what we're, we're, we're starting to talk about that now. We'll learn about it more next week. But yeah, during davening is, you got it right, because that is the time to upgrade your relationship with Hashem by really thinking about the words of davening and, and, and getting into them, becoming one with their message and letting that become the, the lenses. What's the Baal Tanya's definition of sin? Anything that, first of all, the basic definition of sin is any Avera that says in the Torah. And also, um, on a deeper level, any negation of 
any any expression of ego as opposed to you know a bittel to Hashem. That's the flavor of the sin. Is there really such a thing as a Russia? Don't all human beings innately want to be good? That's a good question. Um, a Russia is not, when we talk about a Russia, we're not talking about somebody who is bound to be that way for the rest of their lives. A Russia is not a criminal necessarily. Russia is not a murderer. Russia is somebody in the Balatanya's definition. A Russia is somebody who is in this moment allowing his ego to dominate his behavior or allowing the um, nefesh Bahamas selfishness or, or self-dependence, self-sufficiency, as opposed to God-dependence, allowing that to dominate the behavior. And with that, reject Hashem's truth. That's the definition of a Russia. And yes, all human beings innately, all of us, um, we're talking about, you know, our, our personal service, not even all human beings. We're talking about our, ourselves here, right? Of course, we all want to be good. Um, and we have that potential. That's not a negation to how we're showing up right now. I want to rephrase the question. If I have a fear, does that mean I am acting on my ego? Did I get that right? Uh, um, there's a very big difference between having a fear and entertaining the fear and acting on the fear. Having a fear is, is our, a nature. Some people are naturally more anxious or more fearful. That's just part of how we are. And there's nothing, um, there's, it could be, you know, if it's, I would say, if it's getting in your way of ability to function, then you need more help than, than what we could discuss here. I would appreciate if you, you know, we could talk about it privately. Um, I would appreciate if you reach out to me, okay? Sterna at energizedliving.org. That's if it's getting in your way of ability to function. I don't, I think you would need more help than, um, than what we're talking about here in this discussion. Um, but in general terms, what we are, what we're talking about here is the kind of fear that gets that, that it's not debilitating. Okay. That's because sometimes people will say, you know, all these tools sound great, but it's not working for me. Okay. So then you might need more help because sometimes fear is rooted in past trauma. Um, and sometimes fear is rooted in very real current realities that are fearful. And I, I don't want anybody to walk away from this conversation judging yourself for feeling afraid or for not being able to let go of that fear. Okay. But so, so that's, that's, I just want to put that out there, but in general terms, fear is not necessarily an ego because it's, 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 it's part of how we're wired. It, we're going to be, we're going to be afraid. Let's say I'm afraid that the world will come crashing down, okay? I'm afraid the ceiling, my house will crumble. Okay, my house is not crumbling, right? I have to have, I have to be able to let Hashem's truth make a difference, even just a drop of a difference. Maybe that difference is gonna be, I'm gonna be comforted and say, okay, well, first of all, I always, I always say this, if you're afraid, then what is the fear coming to tell you? It's your friend, okay? Fear or any emotion is coming to tell you something. It's a carrier of important information. So if you feel that your house is crumbling down, is, it, is, is that true? Maybe you need to go out of your house. Maybe you go, need to go to a safer place. 
And that's really, um, I'm using that as an analogy for any fear. You know, you're afraid that someone's going to hit you. Well, maybe there's truth to that. Maybe you should leave that relationship. Get away from that person if you think that the person's going to hit you. But let's say you tell me, well, I actually know that the person is never going to hit me. I've known, I've known this person for 20 years and they have never, ever so much as come close to hit me, but I'm still afraid. I'm afraid every time I talk to a person, when I see they get certain a certain look in their eye, I'm always afraid they're going to beat me up. So then you need to know that you have this, uh, they're probably triggering a past trauma, right? And, and the bottom line is that you want to let Hashem's truth make a difference. Here and now, Hashem is here. Hashem is protecting you. If there's really no need to be running away from this house, because you know, your rational self knows it's not actually crumbling down, you don't need to be running away, then how is Hashem's truth going to help me in this moment? And that's what we're talking about here. Letting Hashem's truth make even an inch of a difference. It's an interesting question. I'm going to try to repeat it for the recording. Um, thank you so much for, for expressing that. Um, it's a very interesting question, right? Okay, so if I have a, a behavior that I want to let go of, um, if I, let's say I gossip, right? But I want to let go of that behavior. I don't want to gossip. But the fact is I sometimes do. So if I tell myself that I am not a person who gossips, that I am a person who never gossips, but in fact I do, then what I'm doing is by not, by not owning that part of me that does gossip, I'm kind of escaping the guilt. And the guilt is going to get me to change. Is that... Is that what you're saying? It's, it's a great question. Basically, what the question is, what, what is guilt? <laughs> is guilt our friend? What, what role, I, this is how I understand it, what role does guilt play in our, in our effort to change ourselves? What the Baal Tanya says in the difference between the, tzad, the rush of a tevlai and rush of a ralei, the Baal Tanya says, basically, the rush of a tevlai is a person who will engage in the undesired behavior, but then feels guilty, but the guilt is not strong enough to actually ev evoke a change. And I, I personally, the way I understand it is that guilt, there's two, later on in later Prakim, we differentiate between merirus and atzvus, okay? Which is bitterness that motivates us to change and, 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 and guilt or, or, or despair that just makes us feel weak and disempowered and stuck. So guilt is tricky. I'm gonna use, because it's really just a word and to everybody it means different things. So let's just talk about it in terms of what it looks like to you. If the feeling is regret, oh, I regret doing that. I wanna make good on it. You know, I don't wanna do that again. How am I gonna help myself make sure, what, 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 what practices am I gonna put into place so that I never do it again, then that, re that sense of regret, which in the Baltanian's language is sometimes mirirus, like a bitterness about it. Uh, I, I'm upset about it. Um, it. It's an energizing force because I, I don't want to be here. Therefore, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to cross the street to that place where I will never do it again. But guilt is tricky because there is a certain sense of comfort and reassurance that we feel 
and validation. You know, at least I'm good enough to feel guilty about it, right? <laughs> it kind of like gives us a free pass. It's like, I feel, we feel good when we feel guilty because it, it feels like righteous. It feels like we're righteous enough to feel guilty about it. So if your sense of guilt is getting you to a place of change, then the word for that is probably not guilt. The, the word for that is regret. The word for that is um, desire to change. You know, the, the word for that is in the Balatani language, the marirus that change and inspires different kind of action. But if your sense of guilt keeps you stuck I, in place like, and, and, you keep, and you keep doing that again and again and again, then that guilt is really coming to make you feel very comfortable in that space and um, in that space of just not changing. Um, it makes us feel good when we feel guilty. Like at least I cried about it, you know? <laughs> at least I feel bad subconsciously. At least I'm, I'm good enough that I care, right? But that really is, is, is tricky because it keeps us stuck. If I feel satisfied and comforted and kind of um, reassured by the fact that I feel guilty that I didn't, the fact is I did not change. Nothing happened and I probably will do the same thing again. So we wanna be careful with guilt um, and, and make sure that our guilt is actually real regret. And how do we know if it inspires action? What am I gonna put into place what practices am I going to do so that tomorrow or the next minute will be different? Okay. Said, Guilt is how I feel about myself. Regret is focused on the action and behavior oriented. Yeah, guilt is kind of something about our ego. I don't want to see myself as a person who gossips because it doesn't fit my desired version of myself. So I don't want to see myself. So, you know, I, I can't, I'm, I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable with it. A great question. Um, we're going to get into it more at the end of this parak. Um, is resentment always coming from the ego? I, I, I'm going to say yes, because resentment, ego, what is ego? Ego means ego in the bigger picture. Ego sometimes is translated as pride, right? So I'm not talking about that. When I say ego, I mean our invented <laughs> of ourself when we're not owning our true identity. That's my definition of ego. And part of the true identity is that Hashem is the only power and he is empowering me in this moment, right? Ego, um, resentment negates Hashem's power because resentment says somebody messed me over. Because of this person, I have to suffer, okay? Because of this person, my life or my day or this situation is a mess. They wrecked me. They made this mess. So that negates the fact that only Hashem, whatever comes to us in our lives is 100% from Hashem. Tell ourselves is this, our, our lives, the energy of our lives has to be between us and Hashem. You know, Hashem will hold that person accountable 100%. Hashem holds each of us accountable for our behavior. But my life, what I have to deal with in my life is really from Hashem. If I have, if there's a puddle of mud in the center of my dining room, you know, it could be the contractor was rotten, but the fact that I'm dealing with this now is Hashem wanted me to be dealing with this puddle of mud in the center of my dining room or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's, um, 
it's like what Yosef Atzadik said, you know, his brothers sold him into slavery. They committed him to a life that was worse than death. And yet he said, Hashem sent me here, not you. I'm here because Hashem wants me to be here for whatever reason. There's a purpose, there's a purpose. And in Yosef's story, he got to know that purpose very clearly. In many of our stories, we don't always know the purpose. We don't always know, but we have, that's, that's where Bitachan comes in that we trust. But why I'm here in this situation um, right now is because Hashem wants me to deal with it. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to subject ourselves and put ourselves out. If I know that that person, um, every time, you know, they use my car, they crash it, okay? I gave it to them once. Obviously, Hashem wanted my car to be wrecked for whatever reason. You know, thank God nobody was hurt. But it doesn't mean I have to give them the car tomorrow to use again. That's my choice. Yeah, I want to wish everyone a wonderful day. And I'm looking forward. We're not doing the upgrade to awesome now. Mir um, Tashem will be back with more after Pesach. Mir Tashem.